Welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Welcome to the Sports Betting Podcast from Pregame.com for the week of November 5th, 2009. I'm your host, RJ Bell, and I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo with his new hat and 30 years in the business, Vegas runner with his Rocky hat and a genuine professional better here in Vegas. Not new. All right, not new. This is segment one of six this week, big game preview. In college football, Alabama, LSU, Vegas runner, what's the line on this game? All right, this one opened up Alabama as a minus 9.5 point home favorite with a total of 38. As of this morning, Alabama's 7.5 and and the total's still 38. So uh, definite money coming in on LSU, the dog in this one. All right, so what's interesting here is we have a classic move that will actually, some people might say, Marco, you actually think about teasers a good bit, so let's talk about this is typical teasers are six, two team six point teasers laying minus 110. So at nine and a half, you go down six points if you're teasing down the fave, you're still laying three and a half. So you're not going through the, the most key number. If a game goes to eight and a half, so nine and a half to eight and a half doesn't seem like much of a switch because well, eight's not a particularly key number, or excuse me, nine's not a particularly key number. But now when you tease down from eight and a half, to two and a half, you've gone through seven and you've gone through three. So even though these aren't key numbers in general, you always got to think of the teaser implications. So this is a significant move. Absolutely. And looking at the game, the first thing that jumped out to me when I started to break this game down is really how good this Alabama defense is. They've Remember, they play in the SEC, and a lot of people regard the SEC as one of the best conferences in college football. Well, the last year. few years, the best. And they've held six of their seven opponents this year to 14 points or less. That's huge. That's where I start handicapping now, this one. That's, that's a great point. Now, let me ask you a question. Is One thing I've always found interesting when it comes to discussions about defense is oftentimes people look at things like points per game or they look at things like yards per game. And what I'm always a little more interested in, any of you guys can, either of you guys can jump in, is how many yards per play? Because what happens is when you have a team like the old Houston teams way back in the 80s running and shooting and all these very aggressive teams, their Ds are always bad. And it's like, how could it be that there's never a great defense and with a great offense? And what you end up finding out is that some of those defenses weren't bad. In fact, they were good, but it was just the raw number of plays made there be more points scored, and, and to me, it's about yards per carry, so, so or yards per play. So my question is, with this Alabama team, how much of this good defensive stats, in your mind, Marco, are about the fact that on offense they're so conservative and they're running some variation of the Wildcat and there's so few possessions, or on the field do you really think they're that good? Well, you bring up a really good point, but I'm going to make an adjustment to looking at just yards per play. And what happens is you got to look at the style of the team and the games that they're involved in. Because when you get games where teams have big leads, 
their defense is going to have bad yards per play because they're going to be having big leads where they go into prevent mode and you know teams are throwing the ball because they're behind so you got to look so at the each best team. stat would be yards per play while the game is competitive while the game the game's competitive and the best stat i mean i still look at points that i mean yard, that's the yard per point is what i, I is the big thing right, so Brian, explain, explain that how many yards does a team have to go for every point they score or how many yards does a defense let up for every point scored. All right, so do you you want a higher number or lower well, number? On the defense, you want a higher number. You want a team to have to go 20 yards for every one point. While on offense, you want to be able to score one point every 10 or 12 yards, let's say. All right, and so that's more about red zone productivity, turnovers, and Being all that. Being able to get the job that. done, actually. So it's more of a holistic view of how well this team's doing on offense or defense. Yeah, I put a lot of stock in yards per point. I you really know, do. The yardage on offense what I look at yards and offense I mean that's it that's what you're earning I like to look for teams and you get once you get past the middle point of the year where the numbers are pure um, I look for teams that I call 200 club members too where they run for 200 yards and pass for 200 yards when you get balanced offenses especially in the college level that poses so many problems for defenses because which do you prepare more for? Do you shut down the run? Do you shut down the pass? And whatever you make the adjustment for, that's leaving that team with a good that's option. That's a good point. I know a, a, a Big 12 uh, coach, and he says that an, an, a good defense can stop a one-dimensional team. Now, a bad defense isn't stopping anyone. Right. But even a great defense has trouble against a two-dimensional team. I think that's a good handicapping takeaway. And one more takeaway, I guess, from the whole beginning conversation here is – yeah, yards per game and points matter, but consider the nature of the games, the speed of the games, and make a downward adjustment or upward based upon if the, uh, if the team plays a faster game or a slower game. Okay, great stuff. A little more theoretical, which is always good. Now, Vegas Runner, what's the one thing that jumped out at you about this game? That Alabama has had that extra time to prepare for LSU. Um, you, the, so the buy is a key factor. Huge for a team like that, um, especially when you play in the SEC. And I think this Alabama team was looking ahead to this game from when they played Tennessee in that tight game that they only won 14-12. So I think having that extra week is really a big edge for Alabama in this game. The other thing I let, let me let me sure. let me counter that is. And I don't have the exact schedule in front of me, but I think the last few weeks for sure, LSU's had weak, non-competitive yeah. foes. To so you can almost make the case that though they had to play, they potentially could get injured, is they were you know, somewhat preparing and somewhat saving their energy for this game. So it's not as good as the bye, but it would have been much better for Alabama if LSU had played Florida last year. Yeah, week. it had to be tested, absolutely. Um, the other thing that, that really stuck out for this game was how the lines dropped from nine down to seven and a half. Because when you look at the ratings... So it was nine and a half to seven and a half. Yeah, right, from okay. nine and a half down. When you look at the ratings that the LVSC, the Oddsmakers poll, puts out, on a neutral field, this would be a touchdown game. So now that it's down to seven, seven and a half, they're giving absolutely no respect for Alabama playing at home. And I think that's a big mistake because this LSU team scores almost a touchdown less on the road and allows, I mean, a touchdown more defensively when they right, play so, on the road. So slow down. So repeat the, the road stats for LSU so we're clear about Yeah, LSU allows a touchdown more defensively when they play on the road okay. as opposed to overall for the season or even oh, at home. Understood. So, I mean, 
So, the, so the weakness for LSU statistically is defensively they give up about seven more points a game. Uh, yeah, that a touchdown. Only, this is only their third, third road one, game. Yeah. Third road game. Yeah. They went to Mississippi State and won 30-26, to 26, a game they could have lost. They definitely could have lost that game. And then they went to Georgia, and they had to score late. Which was a – yeah, that was a statement game, though. Georgia, I remember that game because I was handicapping that one fairly closely. That game opened up about pick and was bet all the way up to three and a half. Georgia was, you know, had a lot of uh, backers in that game. And that's a nice win at Georgia. It is. And uh, getting back to the bye week, that close scare for Alabama. With Tennessee. Best thing that could have happened exactly. to this team. You look back over the years, every team, it seems like every year, that when they run the table or they have their national championship season, they have that one game where they could have lost it. And that is such a motivator for the coach because now when you're undefeated, how do you drill and motivate these kids, you know, because they're doing everything well. But now Coach Saban could drill them all week for two weeks. You guys almost lost. You're not taking this serious. More importantly, LSU dominated them last year. They lost the game, but they dominated them. If it wasn't for four turnovers, they would have won that game. They had the ball for seven minutes more. They had more yardage. They they stopped L, uh, Alabama like no one was able to. Uh, you know, I think that was a game LSU had in the bag if it wasn't for four turnovers. So I think right, the close scale with Tennessee, here. this is huge. couple closing factors. This Alabama is a great example of the, uh, of the evolution with the public where this team, a lot of people even three, four weeks ago were saying it was better than Florida. Now the, the bloom is off the rose with mm-hmm. this Alabama team. Alabama is 10 and 22, so 10 winners, 22 losers is a home favorite. LSU is only 5 and 15 in conference, so neither of these teams are in a great spot. So I think the trends are about a wash. Yeah, I agree. All right, so no official free pick on this. We each give one, and we went three and zero last week. Everyone's hot with that. That will be in the future segments here. Okay, that was segment one. Next up, segment two. Another big game preview: Penn State, Ohio State. And remember, you can watch all of our videos at pregame.tv, or you can download and listen. Just go to iTunes and search for pregame.com. This is segment two of six, big game preview, college football, high state, Penn State. VR, give us the line on this game. All right, this one opened up Penn State as a minus three and a half point home favorite with a total of 40. And as of this morning, we've seen no movement. Penn State's still three and a half, and the total's 40. All right, so I read an interesting thing, that uh, a commentary that said that if the, if the wise guys bet on the favorite, it's going to move to the favorite. If bet on the dog, it's going to move to the dog, which is you know, simple enough. But they say if they don't bet, it means they might like the dog, dog, but they don't like the favor because they know the public most likely is going to be on the favor, so they're going to be really inclined to play that early. So the fact there's no move says they would have, you know, either they like nothing or they're waiting to get more points with the dog. Though that's interesting since it's so close to a key number, meaning that if, if there is some dog action and it's going to go down to three, and if it, waiting to go up to four isn't near as valuable, you would think people, and we brought this up a few weeks ago, is when you are one tick away from really getting screwed with your number. So if I like the dog, I hate plus three if I can get three and a half. They probably wouldn't wait for four. No. So I think we can be pretty confident the wise guys are neutral. Or I have no opinion at all because they'd grab this. I was surprised they didn't grab three and a hook, which is almost automatic for them yeah, with yeah. A, a close game like this. All right, so Marco, when you look at this game, what's the main thing that jumped out at you? 
Main thing for me is Penn State's going to only be playing their second physical team this season, and they struggled against their first. The Big Who Ten, was? which was Iowa, they, they lost that game. The Big Ten has shifted in the last few years. It used to be a power conference, you know, run it down your throat and everything. It's become a finesse conference with most of the teams. Michigan switching to the spread offense with. Um, Rodriguez coming in. You've got Northwestern, Minnesota, all those teams. Indiana running, you know, more offensive-oriented, no defense. The only teams that play physical ball left in the Big Ten are Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Everybody else is finesse, and this will be the only second. That's a good point. That's a that's a gold star point there. All right, VR. When you look at this game. What was the when you looked at it? What was the main thing that jumped out of you from a handicapping angle? That Penn State has a, such a huge overwhelming advantage in the passing game because everywhere which else, which is the counter. Uh oh! So it's going to be the everywhere uh, else they're extremely close. Both teams play awesome defense. Whether they're at home or on the road doesn't matter. Stats are almost exactly the same. Both teams run the ball 35, 40 times a game, get the same kind of yardage. So it's going to come down to the one thing one team does better than the other. And I think Penn State has a huge advantage passing. Ohio State's done absolutely nothing. 53% completions, 190 yards a game. You look at Penn State, they're completing over 63% of their passes, thrown for 250 yards a game. A much more balanced attack, definite edge. And at three, I lean Penn State here. I'll tell you straight out what I like. One thing that Ohio State has, uh, VR, they have had 21 turnovers this year. This defense gets the ball. Yeah. Caused the turnover. So when you look at turnovers, do you look at them as they ran, they're random and throughout the year they're just going to average out? Because there's a lot of NFL systems that say bet on the teams that have the worst turnover differential it's because it's going to balance out and, and they look worse than they are. Though other factors are certain quarterbacks don't throw interceptions, certain defenses are ball-hawking defenses. How do you look at turnovers when there's a, an extreme, like we're two-thirds through the year and high state looks extremely bad in that area do you look for the turnaround or is that a negative against a high state well actually this is a positive for them because it's their defense that's getting oh the okay i'm sorry all right but so, he, all right so but uh, good thank you for the distinction either way though how do you look at turnovers as a handicapper there there's no way to try to predict them when you're looking at them but it's just seemed to me that over the years it seems a team has a year they're just they're blessed whenever they start getting the turnovers they just keep coming if they're turning it over they just keep turning it over and then next year's where you see the reversal for whatever reason hmm. um, that's I mean, what I that, quick, that's you, uh, I agree completely because what they call it is the luck factor index or whatever and when a team is positive in, in turnovers the next year they might go negative and I agree with that because it's tough to turn things around midway through the season that that significantly I mean these t teams play 10 11 games when you're six seven games in if you're turning the ball over it's pretty tough to stop turning the ball over out of nowhere now VR you made the point about pro or about the passing games well, that extends into a conversation about QB from Ohio State prior is this is a guy, and we were talking about it before the show, is if he didn't have a great pedigree coming in and all he was was, hey, two years as a starter, here's his results, here's his stats, he would be average or at below best, average yeah. at best. And it's at some point, we talk about this with teams and with the Titans this year in the NFL. At a certain point, the pedigree and the expectation has to go out the window. This is just a bad team. But this is just an average quarterback, it seems to me. Do any, do either of you guys disagree with I that? I disagree 
wholeheartedly about it. Um, right. Everybody is going on about that he's not for real. I've seen this guy play personally. This guy is for real. What people are forgetting is he's got no Beanie Wells in the backfield this year. He's lost his top wide receiver I mean, to the NFL. Have you seen him throw? He, he doesn't have NFL quality. They didn't replace. Yeah, 50% completions. I mean, I mean, you want. I mean, again, this is what this show is about: discussing points. You watch this guy, and you think that's where I want my money. He's taken a regression this year, but he's taken the regression because he doesn't have all of the tools that he had available last year. Too. As a high state had a worse quarterback. I mean, in the last 10 years, you would you trade? prior for any other starting quarterback of the last 10 years. I mean, this is, they won the Heisman with their QB a few years ago. No, he, he's all hype in, in my book. It was all hype. He hasn't done anything. I, I, Marco's point's valid that he yes. looks probably worse because of, of his surrounding uh, cast. But, man, he's, at some point, he's got to be the guy that makes the no, difference. He's a great athlete, but uh, as, he's not yeah. a great quarterback. A couple interesting points here, and I, I'm just going to take them off because we're running a little late here is High State is 6-0 and last six games against winning teams, which kind of goes against some of the idea that High State is, can't get you know, can't get it done against the better team. Clearly, they're having trouble against the very best teams, but against these winners that aren't top five, they seem to be, you know, at least 6-0. and They're 26-9 and in conference ATS. I mean, that's a big number, 26-9. and This is a huge conference So they're conference doing game. well in the Big Ten. I think there's a counterpoint to this. The only thing anyone's looking positive with with Ohio State, I think, is they've been blowing some teams out. To me, that's the classic situation like with Kansas this year, is a team that can blow out the bad teams but can't play against the good teams. Just because Ohio State is blowing out a couple crappy teams, I don't think we should think they're back either, as much as seeing 45 nothing makes you think that on the scoreboard. I was impressed with how... Penn State bounced back after that loss to Iowa. This team's won five straight and covered all five games. So they, you know, usually when teams are out of that BCS picture, you see that they fold a little bit. This team didn't do that at all. They went on and rocked everybody. And they've actually covered five straight yeah. if you look at the last stat. Last point in the market, you're going to give a $10 coupon away here because sure. we don't have an official free pick in this segment. Uh, we got three of them coming up, though, is... This USC loss with Ohio State, now seeing the way that Oregon dominated this yeah. team and Notre Dame played them tight, I think Ohio State playing USC close doesn't look as good either. So, all right, Marco, so give us uh, each week we give away a coupon, hit us. Well, last week our free selections swept the board, all three of us won, so we're going to make this week's coupon sweep 10. The word sweep and the number 10, and you're going to get $10 off. Go to pregamepros.com. Make any selection you want, put it in your shopping cart, and then just add that. You apply people. the coupon in the shopping cart the when shopping you're checking cart. out. Who's the hottest pregame pro? Pregame pro, we've got Spartan still winning those triple plays. What's his record? Let's not dismiss that. What's his record? 75 and 30. And 75 and 30. I, in 2009. And speaking of 2009, we got a capper. Goodfellow, it's had nine winning months out of 10 for 2009. All right. So you got your coupon sweep time to give this a try. Okay, that was segment two of six. Next up is we're going to be talking one last college football game, Nebraska-Oklahoma. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. This is segment three of six, big game preview, college football. 
Oklahoma, Nebraska. It's like the 80s here. Yeah. Should have had a little, well, you got the hat from the 70s. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm ready for this game. <laughs> Give us the line report in this game, Vegas. All Rock. right. Oklahoma opened as a five-and-a-half-point road favorite with a total of 42. As of today, the line stayed the same, still five-and-a-half, total 41-and-a-half. So small dip towards the under, nothing on the side. Okay, so each week we usually look at five or six games, and then each of us give one official free pick. Uh, this is actually your official free pick, Vegas Runner, so tell us why you like who you like here. I'm going to stay in the Big 12. That's uh, where I've been doing damage with these free picks. I absolutely love Nebraska in this spot, and this will be on my card Saturday. I'm just this is an actual premium pick. It's a premium pick. Uh, I say wait because I'm going to hope to get six on this number. Public's going to unload on Oklahoma right, so let's, Saturday. Let's, let's talk about this a second. One of the things Vegas Runner does best is you've got a feel for the market, the sports betting market. You've got your connections, the bookmakers, the whole thing. And you've got a guy who people are going crazy for that's a friend of yours, Bookie Bill. You can check out Bookie Bill on Twitter. Just go to twitter.com slash Bookie Bill, all one word, B-O-O-K-I-E Bill. And uh, it's all free. And there's a bookie who's actually tweeting out what's going on at the sports book. And that's a friend of yours. Absolutely. All right, so let's think about this for a second, though is you're saying that when you look at the way you see the betting going to happen, you see public money coming in on the fave, so you're recommending Nebraska, but you're saying wait, at least get to six come Saturday. Absolutely. The only thing I'm going to have to do is stay on the screen and make sure the wise guys don't beat me to it. Because but I you're think always taking a chance. Right. But even if you get the six, I mean, think of it mathematically. If you get the six... 60% of the time, and you get five 40% of the time, you're going to make more money at the end wait, of the year right, by waiting if you have a good idea. And again, you got to be careful and understand how these lines move. So, and that's one of your specialties. What is the one big factor that makes you like Nebraska? That the odds makers only got it half right. And let me explain. They have, the odds maker has Nebraska in his top 20, number 18. But they're nowhere in the AP or the USA Today. The odds maker also has Oklahoma, but he has them up at four. Oklahoma is the fourth best team in the country, while the AP and USA Today has them 20 and 21st. I usually tend to lean with the odds maker, but here I believe they're wrong, and he's just not willing to adjust since they believe and that's coming something, in. And that's something that you believe the last few years, the odds makers are stubborn in your mind. Yes. And, and that can be an opportunity for the batter. Yeah, and, and that's why you see there's a big difference, discrepancy in college, because the, the AP USA Today tend to put the teams with the better records up yeah, top. Yeah. You know, it's and, very mechanical. If exactly. You, lose, you go to the back of the line. Exactly. Um, but here, I think the odds makers got it wrong. You know, I, I saw Marco. He was, like, starting to gesture a little. He's like, ready to talk. <laughs> Don't hit me with the hat, though. And, <laughs> and let me tell you real quick before we go to Marco here is – if you guys, we got a ton of iTunes people, a ton of audio people. If you haven't watched the videos yet, maybe pause your iTunes, find any computer you can, go to pregame.tv, and you can't miss Marco's new hat. So that's the best, uh, that's the best kind of hype I can give right now. Marco, as you looked at this game, what was the main factor that jumped out at you? You're just jealous. <laughs> maybe for Christmas we'll get you one. The uh, factor here, and it's, and I got it in big red letters. Nebraska is an undervalued commodity. Vegas is missing the boat here. You're 
paying for public perception on Oklahoma. Nebraska was on the rise this year. This is a program that fell off the chart the last couple years. You could have just said what he said. <laughs> <laughs> this is a situation. But having you two agree is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. And, and this will be on my card as well, most likely. I like this game. Uh, what happened with Nebraska is after that Thursday night game where they came back against Missouri, they went the next week and they lost to Texas Tech. And that's where, and they got throttled. And all of the, you know, luster fell off this team. They came back home. So that's one of your theories, and it's a good one, which is all losses are not created equal when there's a marquee game with a lot of eyeballs and they see not only a loss but a seemingly a statement loss. They, that's it. They file away. Nebraska's not as good as people think. And three, four weeks later, it's still in their head. And then they followed that up with an ugly 9-7 loss to Iowa that's State. That's a 20-point favorite. It's a 20-point favorite. But what was lost in that is they had eight turnovers in that game. They played in horrible weather conditions, eight turnovers. This team is much better than anybody thinks they are. I think they go in and upset Oklahoma. Okay, so what we have is a value play right now. And, and you guys are, and again, handicapping sometimes can be that simple. This team's a little overrated. This team's a little underrated. You're getting some value. Instead of this line being five and a half, it should be two and a half. That's what sports betting is. Let me play not devil's advocate because clearly we disagree probably more than we agree because that's the point. The lines maker probably has a good number most of the time. Right. You can make the case on both sides. Occasionally, uh, all logic points to one side, and that's when likely the best bets are. I look at this Oklahoma team, I think they're a bully. Is When they are playing against a team as good as them, they, they, they get smashed, hit in the mouth, and for whatever reason, lately, this used to be big game Bob Stoops, but lately, they haven't done as well. But when they are favored on the road, they're 7-1 and one ATS. So this is a team, when they're playing against a team they are better than, and by definition, if you're a road favorite, you're, you're better not, than, yeah. they like to bully these teams. So that, that would be my little concern, is the profile of Oklahoma. This is their best spot, which is bullying. Now, all that said... Other than the value, what what kind of micro factor do you look at here that makes you like Nebraska too? Another huge edge for Nebraska is where they're playing. Oklahoma is not a good road team this year at all. They're scoring 13 points a game less on the road, uh, about, what is it, 50, 70 yards less on offense. More importantly, this is a different surface they're playing on. They're a grass team going to the turf now in Nebraska. So not only have they not played well on the road, now they're playing on a surface they don't like to play on either. So I think that's a bigger huge edge for Nebraska here. And this is kind of handicapping one-on-one stuff, but, but again, we got a lot of new viewers, is the surface change oftentimes affects timing the most is you're just faster on turf, you're less fast on grass. And when, it, you know, the Steelers, which Marco's Mr. Pittsburgh, is when their field is really heavy and slow, on those timing patterns, they've got it figured out. So this switch is, is especially affects a passing team, a timing passing team, a running team not as much. Is that, uh, as, is that you guys agree I with that agree sentence? totally, and let's not forget, it's not going to be the, the main starting QB there at Bradford. You know, so the, the other point game, even more. Oklahoma's put up 77 points in the last two games. That's one of the reasons you're getting the inflated line with Oklahoma. Nebraska will be the second best defense Oklahoma's faced this year, next to Texas. 
All right, well, this is good stuff. Now, this is your official pick. Yes, it now, is. Now, you've been, you've been kicking some butt on the picks, on the free picks. What, how you been? Five and one with the free picks. One last week. We actually all three won. Yeah, three we swept out. the car. And we've got Marco pick, Marco's pick coming up and my pick you got coming one up. Too. And uh, so, but in, you're seven and one, though, the last eight weeks. Yeah, and uh, we got a nice future bet with the Saints. Let's not forget. Oh, I, 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 I keep looking. Uh, as they, they're the favorite now to win the Super Bowl, and we got them a 22 to yes, one. Yes, sir. Ah, and that was up a pregame blog. So uh, a lot of good videos and stuff. But you can go to pregame.com, all kind of great stuff, including Vegas Runner does a weekly blog that breaks down the five biggest wise guy moves of the early week and explains why it happened and who he likes in those games. Sixty-five percent ATS last three weeks. A lot of good stuff. Okay, so official pick uh, on Nebraska, the yes, home sir. dog. Okay, next up is going to be segment four of six. We're moving to the NFL, and we're going to be talking about the Giants and the San Diego Chargers. This is segment four of six, big game preview in the NFL. We've got the Giants and the Chargers. Vegas Runner, give us the line report on this game. All right, this one opened up New York Giants as a three-point home dog, three minus $1.20, meaning if you grabbed the three points with San Diego, you only had to lay even money. And the over-under of 47 and a half. As of today, we're seeing the Giants at minus four and a half and 47 and a half. But All right, so back up a second. You, you, you misspoke, which happens. That's why we're here to Is the Giants were not a home dog. They were a home favorite. Home favorite. favorite. Okay, yeah. okay. I was going to think, man, if they're no. plus three, I'm, I'm going to go back. Did I say dog? That, that yeah, even made my, my true steam blog because it had gotten the five and five and a half, the Giants, and now it dropped back down to four and a half. All right, so it opened up a... Three. Uh-huh. All right, so that was Vegas saying even teams. Uh-huh. Home team minus three, and the the uh, public has betted up to? It's up to four and a half today, but it had gotten up to five, five and a half. Okay, so it went up to five, five and a half, and then it was actually bet back, back a down, little bit. Back exactly. Okay, now, each week we do three official free picks. Each of us do one. We were 3-0 last week. Everyone's on a hot streak. This is Marco's official free pick. First off, though, how's your free picks doing in general, Mark? We're eight and two uh, with the last ten here on the show, and we're going to go for nine and two. Uh, this is going to be my pick here, and uh, start this game off. The Giants are undervalued commodity due to their three-game losing streak. San Diego, on the flip side, is a counterfeit team. This team has only won one time this year against the winning team, and that was against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I like San, uh, San Diego. Uh, they're going to get manhandled by the Giants at the point of attack. This defense is bad for San Diego. Baltimore hung up 31 on them this year. Pittsburgh hung up 38 on them. And Denver hung up 34 on them. Giants, three-game losing streak, but look at who they've played. New Orleans, many people believe the best team in the NFL. Arizona, and then last week, Philadelphia. Those are all right now winning teams that are serious playoff contenders. All right. I agree with most of what you're saying. The idea of a home loss by the Giants against Arizona as a seven-point favorite, if I recall, as, oh, wow, that's just part of the game. Those are the games you're supposed to win. Except, I'm going to jump in there. Um, That week, that was my free pick, and there was a strong reason why I had Arizona in that game. The Giants were coming off their first loss of the season. 
or playing against uh, New Orleans. That was the battle of the, the two unbeatens. It was the, the biggest game in the NFC next to the Favre Green Bay They had Bay a big games. game the week before. Right. Coming back home on a Monday night game, that's an automatic. Everybody looks for a team to bounce back. A, I don't buy it. Sunday night game. Sunday night, buy back. Everybody looks for them to bounce back. When you lose a big game of that magnitude, there's a carryover effect. I mean, it might have been a little handicap there, but to, to maybe you win the game by three instead of seven. But, but again, I'm not saying I tend to agree with you. I'm a big Giants fan, though I'm starting to question that, but that, that's something we can discuss. But, but again, and I agreed with everything you said, but we don't, what we don't want to do is make things look too crystal clear here. This Giants team isn't playing too well. It's not as if, oh, they only lost against the best team in football in New Orleans. I mean, to get, to get blown out by Philly as a favorite and to lose at home against Arizona, they're underperforming right now. I mean, do, or, or not. Do you disagree? I, I don't disagree. Uh, they've done exactly everything I thought they've done because I, I used Arizona two weeks ago and I used Philly last week. Yeah, they, but you didn't expect if, – if I would have said, give me the Giants in 21 points, you wouldn't have been excited uh, about that. Absolutely so they, uh, so not. So they underperformed <laughs> is what I'm saying. Is this team has, has lost three straight ATS. And, I mean, let's do the math real quick. I don't think they would have covered a teaser. No, in the last three. So when you lose three straight times in a teaser, you're underperforming. So the question is, and then we'll go to VR, is this, is this just the inevitable bad streaks that a team has and there's not any fundamental problem? Or is there a fundamental problem? And I guess maybe we'll ask you. Yeah, there is a fundamental problem. And that, the, the key thing that stuck out to me is the Giants are turning the ball over, something they didn't do. Their first five games when they came out 5-0, and ATS, 5-0 and straight up, they only turned the ball over five total times in them five games, and they got 11 turnovers on defense. So that was a plus six on turnover ratio. The last three weeks, they're minus five. So they've turned the ball over nine times in three weeks. I don't think they're going to have that problem against San Diego because San Diego is not a team that's having a positive year on turnovers anyway. So I think this is – I agree with Marco. This is a get-well game for them. I, I like the Giants well, let me, here too. Let me, I'm sorry, go ahead, Mark. The thing about the, the turnovers, they've had to play from way behind two of those three games. The Arizona game was close, but the New Orleans game, they were getting blown out. The Philadelphia game, you're getting blown out. When you're getting blown out and you have to become a one-dimensional team, pass, 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 the defense pins their ears back and comes at you. Yeah, but and the turnovers came early. It's not like they, they happened when they were, you know, clearly they got behind. Everyone. Clearly they got behind somehow. So maybe that's the issue to, for us to figure out is why – well, instead of being abstract, let's be concrete. What would this line have been three weeks ago? Before New Orleans, before Atlanta, before Philly, three disappointing games, what would this line have been? I'll give you exactly what it was. The line on this game not three weeks ago, but before the season start when they put a future line out was Giants minus three. So it's exactly what they opened it right, at now, this week. Well, well, but yeah. they again, they thought San Diego would be a much better team. They were highly touted coming into the season. So yeah, that that's the reason I think why it's the, the thing is San Diego, like you said, they've fallen way yeah, off from where, where they, they were supposed sure. to be. The better example is uh, three or four weeks ago, San Diego went into Pittsburgh on a Sunday night game. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh at the time was not playing good. They had those two losses in a row against uh, Chicago and Cincinnati. 
Pittsburgh was a five and a half point favorite over San Diego. At the same point in time, if you go back in time three weeks ago, Giants were regarded as the best team in the NFL. Yeah, next they would have probably been seven or eight. They would have been seven in this game. Three weeks ago, they would have been seven the way these teams were playing. All right, so then let's assume you're right. I'm not sure you are. I would tend to think you're saying that the Giants would have been favored over the Steelers on a neutral? No, they would have been favored over no, the I, Giants here. But what I'm seven. saying is if you're saying Pittsburgh was six, that means the Giants would have been seven, seven and a half, which okay, means the Giants are going. better. And I don't think any team would have been favored over the Steelers this year at any point on a neutral. We're getting a touch of that. We'll be touching on that in the Monday night game. The Steelers are a road favorite against a team that was undefeated last week. So I, I'm just, I guess my point is this, and this is where Mar Marco is one of the best handicappers I've ever met and I've uh, like what was it uh, in The Godfather when he goes she was the best piece of ass I ever had I had all over the world, world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jack Walsh was his name yeah. uh, I've never been in the same reference as a piece of ass but okay <laughs> well, when it, you're, you're a commodity when it comes to handicapping and my point is what, what I question is I know you like to buck perception when you think perception is wrong. You want to buy a piece of property when it's when it's undervalued. I totally get that. My question is, is are the Giants undervalued right now? And if so, how has the line you think the line would have been seven? Three weeks ago, this game would have been seven. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. So now the question is, has the results of the Giants in the last three weeks affected your power ranking on them more than a point and a half? It, it, it has, because I still, I'm handicapping this as much San Diego as I am the Giants. In one stat I'll give you on San Diego, last week they had a 346-yard to 180-yard edge. When you have that kind of dominance yardage-wise at home, you're supposed to win by more than eight points over one of the worst teams in the NFL, the Oakland Raiders. And they only won 24-16 last week with a 346 to 180-yard advantage. Something's wrong. Let me jump in real quick because uh, actually our clock messed up and producer Brandon will call you. It's like Letterman. Like they, is, uh, how much time we got left in this spot? 20? Oh, all right. <laughs> Official free pick on the Giants. On the Giants, Next yeah. up, we're going to be breaking down the Sunday night NFL game. This is segment five of six, big game preview, NFL Sunday night game, Dallas-Philadelphia. As usual, give us the line report, Vegas runner. All right. Philadelphia opened as a minus three-point favorite at home with the over-under 48. As of today, they're still minus three, but the Vigs plus 105 if you're going to lay to three. So to take three points with Dallas, you got to pay a dollar twenty-five. So there's been a, uh, and again, that's what they for newbies out there is three is a key number. They're not as inclined the books to move off of that because they can get middled very easily. So they'll adjust the money line. So there's been Dallas money. Correct. And uh, total still forty-seven and a half. We haven't seen much movement at all. Okay, so we uh, actually do not have an official free pick in this game, but we got a lot of good opinions. Marco, what was the main handicapping factor that jumped out at you in this game? When I looked at the game, first thing that jumped out is obviously Cowboys are playing their best ball of the year right now, and this is a huge, huge revenge game for the Cowboys. This is the game that ended their season last year. Both teams went into that final week 
The winner, it was simple. Winner goes to the playoffs, the loser goes home. And not only did they lose the game, they got blown out 44-6. to And I'll go back to you to talk about that, but this actually, the one stat I had coming in this game were the Cowboys, I like trends which back up what I see with my eyes. Is if I see that a team, is, you know, that a team is very good on the road, and you watch the games, for example, then you look at the stats and say, oh, they're 80% ATS on the road. It backs it up. And because a lot of times you can get the trends that the left-handed quarterback with red hair playing a night game. <laughs> yeah, when there's know, a seat 101A is yeah. taken, it's a lock. But I, I look at this Cowboy team, I think they're the type of team that will roll it, run it up against a bad team. And when they get cracked in the mouth, they back down. We've been talking about profiling these teams. That in an earlier segment, we talked about Oklahoma uh, being the type of team that likes to be a bully. I look at Dallas as a similar team, and this stat backs that up. They're two and nine ATS against the NFC East. So Smash now, mouth. so it's the NFC East has been a, a dominant division for a few years now. These interdivisional games have been very important, and and they've literally won cover two of eleven times. And when you say Dallas is playing their best ball. Are they, or are they, and again, that Atlanta win, I'm going to have to kind of defer, but, you know, beating up on these bad teams and winning by either 10 points or 27, I'm not sure how different that is. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah, Dallas is playing good lately, but Philly's playing their best ball of the season. This team could very easily be 6-1, and one, if not 7-0. and oh. The game they lost to New Orleans, they didn't have McNabb. And they lost the game to Oakland, which they definitely should have at least got out with the straight-up win. So I think Philly's playing their best ball. And what backs that up, if you see what they have made no mistakes lately, they are plus 10 in turnovers the last four weeks. So this defense is getting all over the ball, and the offense is making absolutely no mistakes. And we know Romo's interception-prone. So this team's really going to be ball-hawking this week. I leaned Philly, and I was surprised that the line came out at three. I think that's based more on public perception. Well, and we talk about that. The Cowboy, if you want to, you know, when someone says to me, I meet them at a bar or something, they say, what's the one piece of advice to, to beat sports? I'm saying, you might not beat it, but if you bet against the most popular teams, you're probably going to break even. The Cowboys are a class. For them right now to say that Dallas is better than Philly, yeah. and with the juice, that's what they're saying, at minus three, and then with Philly being almost even money, I don't see anything objective to back that up. No, especially when this Dallas team scores a touchdown less in their road games. You know, that's a lot when you're talking you in the NFL. They're not scoring 50 points a game that's like an in college. That's an interesting stat, but when we're this, or the catch-22 with the NFL, and I'll kind of open it up to you guys, there's only 16 games a true, year. True, true. But for more than half the year, there's there's going to be less than eight games, you know? So, like, right now there's eight or seven. And, and so now with the road games, there might be two, three, three four. Sample size very small. Is... The NFL, it's difficult to be a statistically driven handicapping league because there's not enough stats. In the NBA, you got 82 games. In baseball, you got 162. How much credence do you give to a handful of road games like that? No, the only um, thing about the NFL, though the sample size is smaller, I do give stock in the stats because I think they're gonna they bring their A game every Sunday. The stats I found are more accurate. You could depend on your numbers more. 
when teams bring their A games. That's why I think I, I, I've done well in the past in playoffs, World Series, things like that, because I'm statistically driven handicapper, and for my numbers to be accurate, I need the team to bring so you, their so A So you game. like, and, and we'll jump to Marco, you like motivation to be a non-factor, and if teams are both trying extra hard, it becomes about the matchups and about the true power rankings. Of the exactly, team. exactly. And in the NFL, because it's a short season, you're pretty much getting their A game every day. Where in basketball, you can't tell me that all seven or eight guys are going to bring their A game every single night. I don't disagree very often with Vegas Runner, but I couldn't disagree more on this statement. These teams don't bring their A game every week. It is a, only a 16-week schedule, but unlike any other sport, these guys get beat up week in, week out and they mail it in some weeks. And that's why, perfect example, you talked about Philadelphia has two losses. One of them is against Oakland. If they bring their A game every week, they ain't ever losing a game to Oakland. Yeah, but when I'm saying in the NFL, when that happens, you have 16 games. Okay, if they don't bring their A game 20% of the games, with three games, your statistics might right. not be so driven. I think you guys are both right. Is in the NBA, motivation is a huge factor. In 40 games, you might not get. 30 games, you might not get the right game. And, but I also agree with Marco is I think that a vast majority of the time, both teams are maxing out their effort. And, and a, a percentage of the time, and look at New Orleans against the Dolphins, clearly coming off that yeah. Giants game, you're going to have letdown spots. Sure. And you're gonna, you look at Baltimore last week, how intense they were against Denver. You're going to have your super high spots and your super low spots. But the middle, motivationally, the middle is bigger in the NFL than any other sport. Percentage yeah. because of the number of games, yes. All right. One minute, Marco. What's a second factor in this game? This game for me, you know, last week, look at the Philadelphia blowout. If you break the game down further, and I was on Philly, so I was happy with the blowout. But they only All outgained right, so this is them. probably a good spot. Is these guys? <laughs> <laughs> these guys um, had. Uh, they actually do another video called just with these two. A view from Vegas. Is that the it's title? It's the week in Vegas. A better's view. Ah, there it is. And they talk about Vegas, about sports betting. It's, it's just like having lunch with them, but you don't get to see Marco we eat. <laughs> but that actually, it could be almost like we a only got ten minutes on this. <laughs> <laughs> it could be like a breakfast with Blassie. I don't know if you guys ever saw Andy Kaufman. <laughs> With Fred Blassie, the pro wrestler, YouTube that—that's classy, Freddie Blassie. Yeah, they just man. sit around talking. That's Pencil what we gotta geeks. get. We gotta get the camera down to the wisest dally. But the fact of the matter is, is these guys talked about four minutes. You said about Marco lost his game of the year last week, and uh, he was 24 and five. Yeah. Lifetime before it, it was painful. I didn't. He, he was. Uh, he had. Uh, what's that called when you don't have it? You're out of communication range <laughs> yeah. for like 36 <laughs> hours. After he takes it seriously. But the fact is, we talk about the winners and the losers. But check that video out if you want. And and Marco explains how he thinks about losing these big games. We really do have about 20 seconds. Yeah. I'm sorry, make Philadelphia point. only outgained the Giants last week by 35 yards, a 40 to 17 score, and there was only a 35 yard difference in that. So game. you're questioning if the Giants. Philly really is. We got that loss against Oakland, and now you question how well Philly yeah. is playing. Uh, so I, my tendency here, I, I would lean, my first instinct is lean to Dallas here in this game. Also, right. start paying attention to the weather now as we get to more winter. All right, so no official free pick on this. We have three official ones in the different videos. Okay, good stuff. Next up, segment six of six, Monday Night Football, and Mr. Pittsburgh will be talking about the Steelers. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. This is segment six of six, Monday Night Football, Pittsburgh at Denver. Now, first stop, 
Vegas runner. I'm actually going to have my official free pick this week off a winner last week in this game. But first up, Vegas runner, give us the line report. All right. This one opened up Pittsburgh minus two and a half point road favorite. Stood at two and a half for about two minutes. Quick money came in on the Steelers line. Went to three immediately. That's where every other book opened it up. Three and 40. As of this morning, Pittsburgh's still minus three. The VIG now is plus, one tw- plus 105, excuse me, on the Pittsburgh side, minus 125 on the Denver side, total 39 and a half. All right, so initially they put out, a, a, you would think a weird number, a two and a half, that was quickly gobbled up, like you said, but since it moved to three, where a vast majority of people were able to play it at three, there's been Denver, Denver money. money. exactly. But they haven't moved off the key number. Exactly. Okay, now like I said, I have a free pick on this game, but we have Mr. Pittsburgh here, Marco, who's uh, lived in Pittsburgh for 46 years. He follows the Steelers especially close. I'm interested in your opinion. Give me the one or two facts, and again, Monday night's a little ways off right now, the one or two facts that really jumped out at you on this game. I'll give you, and to be honest, I'm on the fence because I've got something on both sides with this game, so I'll make my decision come Monday for sure. But the factors here is how is Denver going to react to their first loss of the season? This is uncharted water for the Denver Broncos. They're an undefeated team with a rookie coach, so we don't have anything to go by is how they're going to respond. Secondly, we... All right, well, so first up, on that point, what, what's your gut feeling? Gut feeling generally when a team loses for the first time, the public likes to jump on them, and I think that's why you're seeing the money come to the Denver side with the juice. But my feelings are you have a carryover effect after the first loss. We saw that with so the Giants. So in a way, your first thought is maybe Denver was exposed here. Denver a little bit now, overrated. Let, let me question what you said. You're saying when a team's embarrassed on national TV that typically the public likes to jump on them? Well, they're returning, back, they're returning back home off of the, that one loss. I, I just think that the public... This is a team that nobody believed in all year, I mean, and I was we, one of we them. We look at this line... I, I mean, this is absurd. I mean, to me, right off, if I, when I, what I do is I make a line in my mind before I see the real line, and I had this game at pick. So right, right off the go, I'm thinking, I know Pittsburgh is highly um, touted. You know, they, there's a premium on the Steelers. I'm a huge Steeler fan, so I can appreciate that. And, you know, Steelers never get blown out. We, we, we keep talking They're about it. In they the game. never get blown out. And... The idea that they were three points better than this previously undefeated team would mean they were about two points better than Baltimore if you transfer the line, meaning Pittsburgh is considered about two points better than Baltimore, which feels about right. That would have been Pickham. Right now we're saying that the Steelers are six points better than Denver being a three-point road favorite. So, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that, that, that the public's on Denver right now. I mean, they might be on Denver with a crazy line and saying, oh, I'll take the three. But, uh, again, I mean, yeah. I think they've, they've been deflate. This Denver team has been exposed in the mind of the public. The public's going to come in Pittsburgh Monday night. That, that's a guarantee. I could tell you that right now. You think it goes off off a three? It, it's going to go off at, at three. Uh, yeah, the, off at three or off of three? Oh, I don't, it's not going to come off the number three. Now that it's there, it's going to stay there. The VIG will go back and forth, I believe. If anything, Pittsburgh will no longer be plus 105. They'll be three minus 110. This game will go off three minus 110 both sides, I believe. Because um, the money's going to come in Pittsburgh. 
and I don't understand why this team's two and five against the spread. But like you said, you pay a premium. People love them. They stay in the game. The thing that I saw that stuck out the most to me was I went back, looked, what line did they put on this game during the summer when everyone thought Denver's going to suck and Pittsburgh was great? And they had the line Pittsburgh minus four. So back when everyone thought Denver's going to be terrible and Pittsburgh's going to be the best, it was still four. Now we're looking at three, just a point so difference. It just shows you is the power of Pittsburgh, it, a combination of, and, and we'll get to your second point now, Marco, is one, you think Denver has been uh, exposed a little bit in that Baltimore game. And then the premium on the Steelers in general are, are, are making this line seemingly out of whack. I think pick them makes more sense to me. I made, what it did pick, you? I made it pick with Pittsburgh one. I forced myself to make Pittsburgh one. Yeah. And we're already at three. So what's, what's your second point? So, so the, your first point made us want to look towards Pittsburgh because, again, you're thinking Denver got exposed. Now, what's your second point? The part is Pittsburgh's coming off a bye week. I don't like teams that have momentum and go into the bye. What happened to Denver? Which is what I brought out last week on the show about Denver. It was a situation they were undefeated, everything's going good. Pittsburgh went into the bye with a four-game winning streak, and they're coming off the win over Minnesota. Huge they win. gave Minnesota their first loss of the season. Um, I'm going to put out one other point about the line. Let's flash back. I'm going to ask both of you guys. Right now, given today, with the current state of both teams, what would you make the line on a neutral field, New England-Pittsburgh? Neutral field right now, I'd, right. Make, uh, I'd make Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh two and a half. I was actually going to say the same thing. Two and a half, I mean. And see what the wise guys do with okay. it. They so move it up for me. With what you're saying, Denver is getting respect because New England came in here to Denver a few weeks ago and was laying three and a half. Well, but the, but the fact of the matter is that was the game that started getting Denver respect. And, and again, Denver had, you know, had the miracle win against Cincinnati and they haven't uh, they hadn't beaten anyone of significance to da me to that point to that Dallas point. it was Dallas was their big game they had beaten Dallas the week before uh, and then they played New England Dallas was the biggest win prior to New England and no one still believed in that team and again my memory's not perfect are we certain that the Dallas game was before the New England game um Almost positive they were. Was the Dallas game? I, I'm first. not sure to tell you the truth. Because they played. New Brandon, I know. Can you look at it up real quick? When all right, so all right, you were right. So they had beaten Dallas, uh, and that's an interesting point. And and again, but New England is always at a premium too. Right. So. Um, all right, so here's a couple points for me. Well, first off, just because we do hype you up as Mr. Pittsburgh, quickly, what, give us your Pittsburgh record when you make a best bet on them. In 2009, any Pittsburgh team, quickly, over-unders, whatever, 42 and, 42 and 19 for the year. We're going to have to get a butt. When, when Marco starts touting too much, we'll just butt. That's you won't, like even, you won't even hear what he said. You won't even hear what he said. All right, a couple points. Here's my official pick here. It's going to be... <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna. Well, it's like I show on ESPN, right? When the they mute drops through the floor. <laughs> All right, here's my official pick: is over, over, and the number's thirty-nine. On Monday and a half. night, how dare you? Yeah, well, you know, it is. Again, I think unders win fifty-one percent. I, I like to lean towards the under. Here's some reasons: one, the public, the Vegas is not caught up to the Steelers yet. Their offense is perhaps the fifth or sixth, in the top five in the league. Their defense is in the top five in the league, 
but it's not the maybe the best in the league. I think last year it was one of the best D's I had seen in a decade in yeah. Pittsburgh. And this year, I think they're amongst the best. So the D's gone down one level. The offense is up one level. Now, Denver has McDaniels as a coach. Now, remember, he was at New England. New England always knew how to attack Pittsburgh with a spread offense. So I, think, I don't think they're going to try to run. You can't run on the Steelers. Denver knows how to throw against them. I think you add up that, and, and, and the over looks really good. Now, last couple comments. Pittsburgh, though, they are not a point spread uh, winner because of the premium, and they're having a bad year. They're 8-2 ATS. They're having a bad year against the spread. They're 8-2 ATS against winning teams. So Pittsburgh is a Show big up. game team, yeah. and, and you know how they do at home on Monday night. So that has nothing to do with the total. Again, my official free pick, and I'm uh, I think six and three on the season, but uh, we had a winner last week. Is on the over. Okay, great show this week. If you guys didn't see all the videos, or you can watch any video at pregame.tv, or if you want to download and listen, just go to iTunes, search for pre- and uh, search for pregame.com. See you next week.